Alrighty, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you just come along to this service, maybe some of you have stayed over. What I'm going to do with this message is continue something I started a few weeks ago called Needs and Wants. Needs and Wants. Needs and Wants, part two. I'm going to read from Luke 15, Luke's Gospel. Um, I really like Luke's Gospel. Um, Luke was a Greek-speaking intellectual, uh, a physician, an elite. He was uh, a pretty influential person, historian. He's the one that's been credited with Luke's Gospel and also the book of Acts. Um, but what I love about Luke's Gospel, he talks about women like no other gospel does. That's a good thing. He starts with women. He continues with women. Women are all through Luke's gospel. You should read it because you say, why would I do that? Because it's unheard of, especially especially at that time in history. People didn't write about women necessarily in historical documents or any literature. And if they did, they didn't do it in a way that was meaningful, purposeful, and amazing. He introduces the gospel uh, of Luke uh, with Mary and Elizabeth Elizabeth is, is John the Baptist's mother and Mary is Jesus's mother and carries on. He talks about some of the significant, rich, affluent, wealthy women that followed Jesus and provided for him and followed him around wherever he went. And he talks about women at the end when Jesus died and rose again. It was women who went to the tomb before men. But tonight it's not about women. But Luke's gospel is profound because he talks about people that no one else is really talking about. He includes children. He includes uh, people in society that were despised, overlooked, forgotten. That's why Gospel Luke is profound because he puts something in there to let us know that God is interested in all people. Amen. And I'm not trying to bore you with a Bible study. What I am trying to say to you is, is it's better than what you could imagine if you would just learn to read it for the way it is as opposed to reading it like a devotional. Sometimes we read devotionals and we're, I don't know what we're trying to do, but it, it, sometimes it can turn into something that is, well, that was about me. And it's not there for you. It's in that sense, it's more about, look what God is doing and what God wants to do. And the reason you're included is because He's including amazing people and broken people and messy people and complicated people. And if God can do it with them, He can do it with you. Amen. So you've got to read it with the right lens. So at least try to put the right lens on when we're reading the Word of God. Amen. So he's doing something amazing. So I'm going to start with a story tonight that Jesus uses. Um, again, Luke captures the story. Uh, Jesus is already dead. He's already raised from the dead. And um, this is probably third, fourth generation believers, followers of Christ. All the eyewitnesses are possibly dead or executed. And they have this urgency to capture the words of Jesus to share with the generations of believers that will follow Christ without seeing Him. That's why we have the Word of God, the New Testament, amen? So we have a story that really helps us to understand our needs and our wants. Last couple of weeks ago, I shared that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was speaking about that He can do better than money when it comes to security and beauty. We use money to make ourselves beautiful. Well, some of us do. And we use money to make us feel secure. And Jesus, through this text, Sermon on the Mount, He is saying, hey, look at the lilies of the valley, more beautiful and more profound than you could ever imagine. Not even the best dressed people in the world come close to these. And most of these people are not even seen. None of these flowers, a lot of these flowers are not even seen. They come and go and no one except me sees their beauty. 
He says, I can do better than money when it comes to your beauty, amen? And he's speaking to us because he's helping us realize that we have needs, we have wants, but we need to understand we can go to our Heavenly Father for all needs and for all wants. So today, I'm gonna continue with that tone. I realize this is not an easy message for all of us to listen to because we are needy and we are wanty and we are wanty and we are needy. And because of that, we maybe don't want to hear it sometimes. But I don't believe that's the spirit of the message. I believe the spirit of the message is to look at the response of the Father to needy and wanty sons. So I'm going to read from the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and what's been defined as the lost son, which I think is interesting because there's two sons who were lost. It's pretty clear. They're both lost. However, I'm going to start at verse 11. So Luke 15, verse 11. And I'll just pull some things out of this for us today. Is that okay? You ready? To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land called Berlin. And there he wasted all that he had on foolish living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he needed food because he was starving. It's interesting, the more needy you are, the more wanty you are, the more wanty you are always leads you with more needs. He needed food because he was starving. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, snell, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your, one of your, your, your brother is back, he told him. Your father has killed the fattened calf and uh, we are celebrating because he is now safely returned. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and urged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing 
that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when his, this son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this joyous day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he has found. How do we read this story? How do we draw from this story? How do we put ourselves in this story. You remember when Jesus started selling this story, He's talking to tax collectors and notorious sinners. Luke 15 literally starts with that. The people that were listening to as tax collectors and notorious sinners, they often wanted to listen to what Jesus had to say. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the law want to complain. So it's interesting, those who were sinful, those who were messy, complicated, not living According to the law, they were wanting to listen to Jesus because He sounded differently, He talked differently. He said something that didn't, that got their attention. But the religious people who were trying to live holy, trying to live and pre present themselves as holy and religious, they were starting to complain that Jesus would even eat with these people. So we have an interesting observation here straight away is that there's two groups of people. You could call it the legalists and the liberals. You could call it right wing, left wing. I'm a centralist. The only way you can really interact with Jesus is the gospel, the good news. It's the only way you can enter in because if you try liberalism, liberalism, well, I'll parade my sin and call it freedom. Or if you try to live with legalism, which is often what religion is known for, obey the rules. And if you obey, you will get rewarded. But if you don't obey, you will be punished. And a lot of people live with this fear of punishment. Well, if I don't do it right, if I don't get it right, and we have this fear of hiding. Right in the human story, the first thing Adam did after sin was to hide behind a tree and God comes looking for him. Adam, where are you? Where are you? It's not like God doesn't know. It's just that Adam didn't know. When you start to mess with sin, you lose sight of who you are, where you're going. What does this mean? I'm like, I'm in it. I'm so far in it. I don't even know how to make sense of this anymore. That's exactly what's happening to this young son. He wants his version of freedom. And it didn't lead to freedom. It led to more bondage. It led to more pain. It led to more suffering. It's amazing how today in a society where we go on Instagram or we go on social media or whatever it is that we are using today and we, we listen to people, if you're under 25, try it all, do it all, go for it. You're young enough, experience it all, figure out what you like, what you don't like, as long as you're not hurting anyone. And we think that's truth. We think that's wisdom. We think that's amazing. Okay, well, you just told me to try everything. I just tried a few things and I am so hurty. I am so needy. I am so wanty. But your post says, try it all. You're young enough. Really? Is that what we're going to build our lives on? And this is why this story, though it's ancient, can really help us in our present situation. Because if you think following the rules is going to build a better relationship with God, we are possibly the most deceived people on earth. If we think liberalism is just going to lead us to freedom, 
then we really are deceived because it's not true at all. It gets more complicated, more problematic. It actually doesn't help, it hurts. Hurts like hell. So liberalism, legalism is often where we get tempted to try and figure out our lives. Maybe we try a bit of legalism. Maybe we try a little bit of liberalism. I don't know, but you can't be yo-yoing your life all the time. The gospel is not left wing or right wing. The gospel is you can't do it, only Jesus can. So the gospel is not for those who don't know Christ only. It's for those who know Christ and need to stay with Him. And that's what we get going on here. So what I want to do is I pull some things out. The first son or the son that was younger, the Bible says the younger son, he wanted his father's money so he could do what he wanted. Have you ever used someone to get what you want? I'm talking about me, not you. Have you ever used someone to get what you want? Have you ever used your father? Have you ever used your mother? We all have the ability if we want to, to use the Father for what we want. Our prayer requests can be very much about what we want. And that's not always bad. It's not always bad. But in this story, we have indicators of a needy and a wanty son. The first son, he is so wanty. He literally says, I want the money from you that's gonna eventually come to me, but I won't get it till you die. I just want you to know, I want it now. He's basically saying, die now. That's what he's saying. In this context, it's even worse than that because in the ancient culture, if you was to divide the inheritance, you were losing all stature, you were losing all prestige, you were losing all influence within society when a father has to surrender the, the, the inheritance to the children. So the father is literally hurting himself to help the son. But what I need you to understand is, is we have to be aware of this in our own lives. It's easy to be aware of what's right in other people, but it's not about what's right in other people or wrong in other people. It's about what's working in me. I think there's something else going on here. He wanted to use the Father to please himself. How many of us sometimes don't realize we're just using the Father to please ourselves? Sometimes I hear people say, I want the community. I just don't want the church. Or, or maybe they've said, I like these three things about you, but there's seven things I don't like about you. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm like a 10 and nothing else. I can't divide myself up to the three things you like and then bury and hide and suppress the seven things you don't like. I'm sorry. It's not just an ancient text. It's a very modern challenge for all of us. He wanted his version of freedom. He was free at home, but he wanted to go out and push the boundaries of freedom. He wanted freedom without responsibility. He wanted to sleep around. He wanted to spend his money. He wanted, he had friends because he had money. He was living the good life. The Bible says it was a foolish life, but sometimes we can forget, oh, I just want to party. I want to do this. I want to do that. Hey, I'm needy tonight. I'm needy tonight. I'm wanty tonight. Would you come hang with me? Can we do this? It's amazing how we can walk around without a t-shirt, but on our forehead, it's got needy, 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 wanty, 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 wanty. And we've got to renew that 
with our, Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to change the narrative on our forehead. And it's not needy, needy, needy. It's loved, 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 forgiven, 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 accepted, 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 ho, ho, ho. Loved by the Father, it's amazing. So he was wanting freedom, but without responsibility. It's like me driving the car without passing my test. I was gonna probably kill myself or kill someone else. See, you have to understand, Jesus makes us, when we choose to follow Him, 100% free. 100% free. You're not part free, some free. Before Jesus, before the Father, you're 100% free, free. What does that mean? It means you're free. The truth that you know will set you free. It's not truth, it's the truth you know. So you've got to equal your freedom with 100% wisdom. So you're free to marry whoever you want, but be wise who you marry. You're free to live wherever you want, but be wise where you live. Lord, you've got all of me, but I am needy and I am wanting. And I'm wondering, is this the kind of relationship I can honor you with? Yes or no? Hello? I can't hear you. He didn't say anything. No, he didn't say anything because you already know the answer. (sighs) But I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, go do it. But take responsibility for whatever happens. That's the freedom. And that's the wisdom. He went in the wrong direction and the father had to sit and watch him do it. It's sometimes really difficult when your friends make stupid decisions that's going to hurt them. And you find it very difficult, even if you try to say, please don't do that. This is not easy, people. It's complicated sometimes, but the more needy we are, the more wanted we are, the more painful it will be. So he wanted his freedom, there's no doubt, but it cost him greatly. He went from wanty to needy. The more wanty you are, you become more needy. And we have to wrestle with this. And I could go a lot more deeper with this, but I'm going to just stay here because it's enough for us to chew on for tonight. He cared only for himself. I think another thing that stands out about this is that He didn't care for the father. He didn't care for the brother. He just cared for himself. And that's why he went in the direction he went. And we've got to be careful. If we just care for ourselves, we've got to understand there's consequences to that. We don't like to hear that word, but that is a very real word. There are consequences to just caring for yourself. You're going to push everyone away. You're going to make it hard for people to even want to come near you. And that's what self-centeredness does all the time. A wanty person will use people and things to try and fulfill their own lives. I cannot use you to fulfill my life. You cannot use another person to ultimately fulfill yourself. And that's the problem. If we don't go to God, we go to each other. And that's where it gets so messy. It creates a lot of pain. I'm not saying all of it's messy, but often that's where it ends up. Instead of fulfillment, They never really end up fulfilled. They end up more needy in the end. But let's have a look at the second son because I think it's interesting and we often forget the second son, the oldest son. 
It's interesting in this story, and I, I want to take this time with you to, I know a lot of you listening in your second language, you're doing your best to, you know, stay with me. And I do respect that and honor that. But what I need you to understand is that this first story is a sheep goes missing and someone goes looking. The second story or the second part of this story is a coin is lost and the woman who loses the coin finds the coin because it's lost. The, second, the third part of this narrative is interesting. is the son goes missing, but no one goes looking for him. Which kind of makes it very interesting. Why didn't the elder brother go looking for the younger brother? Because it was his responsibility. But there is the good news coming into us. This is not about human ability. This is about what God did. Our true elder brother is Jesus. He left the father to come look for us. He left the security and the splendor of heaven and came into the squatted, messy, complicated place called earth. And he came into our lives and loved us. And so he is again showing that I am the only one who can come looking for you. It's interesting because the younger son says, I'll come back as a slave. Why do you lessen your dreams and lower them so low? The father didn't let him stay there. The father promoted him to sonship. When you come back home, you don't come in as a slave or an orphan. You come back as a son, as a daughter. You are upgraded. You are brought back to your rightful position. You're not hanging in there. Well, I did a few bad things. I'll kind of do penance. I'll slave it out for a while. I'll have a, rough, a few rough years. You know, no, 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 no. He brings you straight back into the family. He puts a ring on your finger. He puts a robe on your back. He puts sandals on your feet. And listen, he said quickly. Why? Because it needs to happen quickly because someone else will get in and tell us a lie. And listen, quick observation here is the youngest son came home and he stayed home. He didn't go back out partying three months later with his needs and his wants. And the reason I say that to you is because as a church, we've been blessed with salvations for the last 14 years. Thousands of people have come to know Jesus in a city that everyone told me cannot happen. And it has happened because God is God. He's the Father. He wants His sons and daughters coming home. But listen to me. It's our responsibility to create a home where younger sons can come home and want to stay home because the reason this younger son wasn't looking forward to coming home wasn't just that he messed his life up. It was also he didn't want to come home to the grumbling, complaining, self-righteous, judgmental older brother that was at home still. Do you want to come back to a church and bump into a grumpy, miserable, self-righteous elder brother? You're sitting there in church worshipping. Good, good, it's good, it does good. Remember what you did last year? It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. You remember Pastor Mark prayed for you and he gave you that opportunity and what did you do with it? You were you, you, you just start listening to this grumpy, self-righteous. Didn't you come back before? Didn't you do this before? And the next thing, it's not God's voice you're listening to. It's everyone else's voice and it's not helping. Listen to me. If we want younger brothers, younger sons and daughters to come back home and stay home, we've got to make sure that elder spirit of Jesus is in us, not the elder spirit of religion. You don't know who you're sitting next to. 
You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know their story. They don't know your story. But if we're going to be a healthy, dynamic, vibrant, moving forward church, we've got to learn to actually be more like Jesus in our own lives and with each other. It's not easy. It was easy. Churches would be in abundance. It's actually the work of the Spirit. And we've got to make sure that the elder spirit, that self-righteousness, judging people, looking at people, well, look at her, look at him, look at them, look at them. Oh, they're holding hands. Oh, what, what are you, we? It, it's amazing what can happen. And I'm telling you, if you look at this story, I think sometimes younger sons and bro- uh, brothers and sisters, lost sons and daughters just don't want to come home. Why? Because they smell the stinking religious spirit of the elder brother. They need to meet the real elder brother. His, his name is Jesus. And you know what he does? He leaves the home and goes looking. And so we've got to learn to realize God wants to use us. And he wants to use us not just on Sundays, but he wants to use us midweek. So let me just give you a few things about the eldest son. He had everything, but was still acting needy. You can be here today knowing everything that God has got for you, but still be acting needy. It's not being here that makes you less needy. It's living it. It's applying it. It's getting a hold of it. It's saying, I'm so hungry for that. It's not being religious and saying, tick the box. I've been to the service. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with what's getting in you so it can come through you. So you, listen, this this elder brother, he was there with the father. He was every service. He was tithing. He was heart for the housing. He was a kingdom builder. Oh, he was donating. He dug the charity water well himself. He was doing everything. He was doing everything. He was in the choir. He was writing songs. He was drumming. He was DJing. He was doing everything. He was fixing the sound. He was playing bass. It says he did everything the Father asked him to do. It's crazy when you've been serving God 20 years and someone who walks in two minutes is getting blessed by God and you start to get a little bit angry and go, I've been doing this for 20 years and look what you're doing with him or her. Or someone at work who doesn't even go to church and get the promotion and you're like, hmm, I prayed for that. Joyce prayed for it. Andres prayed for it. The prayer team prayed for it. I gave extra money in the offering last week. Oh my goodness, God. And we start acting like God owes us. First thing you need to understand, God owes us nothing. But He wants to give us everything. I know it's not easy to hear this stuff, but why is it not easy to hear it? (laughs) Sometimes truth is not easy to swallow. However, we gotta stop acting like God owes us. He doesn't owe us anything. He wants to give us everything. So he was acting needy even though he had everything. His response, listen, was anger and hostility, passive aggressive. The thing is, any of us can be like this. But he lost fact that his younger brother had come home. And so what's going on here? I'll give you a couple more and then we'll try and bring this to an end. But he was so me focused that he couldn't see what the father had already given him. He was so me focused. Me, me, me. That he couldn't see what the father had already given him. 
He was so needy that he tried to highlight other people's flaws instead of taking responsibility for his own shortcomings. It's very dangerous when we start to see other things in other people. Can I tell you what you're not doing? Can I tell you why you did it wrong? Can I tell you what you, can I, can I, can I highlight all of your flaws? No, look at your own flaws before you look at mine. What I am trying to tell you is that taking responsibility is for all of us. Are you gonna take responsibility? And that's where I feel like it really comes down to it. Just this guy, he was just highlighting what the son had done wrong. And he never considered his own shortcomings. Instead of drawing from the, heart, the father a healthy relationship with the father, he became more needy and that led to more unhealthy wants. A person with needs, a need filter struggles to see what they already have. A person with a wanty filter will only end up with more needs. Wants leads to needs. Needs leads to wants. It's a dangerous cycle. A person who looks to their heavenly Father will begin to relax and see that God is more than able to meet our needs and wants. So I really believe that we need to understand the Father's response to all of this. How do we handle our own needs, our own wants? Our church is predominantly late 20s, early 30s. 90% of our church is single, young and free. Old and wise. There's nothing wrong to want to be with someone. There's nothing wrong to have a life partner. There's nothing wrong to be married. There's nothing wrong with... And these are the questions that come out when it comes to dating sites. Well, is it wrong to use a dating site? No. The fact is, that is something that's a part of the territory and the medium of where we are right now. But how do you even answer that? Same with the other question. Is it wrong to go out with a non-Christian? How do we even answer these things? And let's take it back and change the question into, what are you really asking? Are you asking for law? Because if you ask a law question, you'll get a law answer. If you're asking a grace question, you'll get a grace question. It depends on what you're asking. Do you want what you want or do you want what the Father wants? And that's the tension you and I have to wrestle. The more needy we are, the more wanted we are, the more needy we are. We've got to go to God with all our needs. If you belong to Him and He belongs to you, how do you wrestle these tensions? I've told you, you've got freedom. Freedom to do whatever you want, but be wise what you do. Dating apps are a reality. It's just that because the need is real and the want is amazing. But how do we handle it? By telling people off and saying, no, can't, won't, don't, shouldn't, couldn't. No, no, the fact is, whatever you say, people are going to do what they want to do because of their needs and their wants. So how do we live a God, Christ honoring like life with all of these needs and wants? And that's what's going on with this text. It's helping us to realize it's not wrong to be needy. It's not wrong to be wanting. It's how you meet the need and it's how you meet the want. You do it with God, He relaxes you. You do it without God, it leads to more pain and more suffering. So what is the gospel? We are so lost that He needed to die for us. And we are so loved that He wanted to lay down His life to rescue us. That messes me and brings me to my knees. And so that's where we've got to ask ourselves. So let's look at the Father's response. His response was He was towards the sons. 
He didn't have his back. He was looking for the son, and when they saw the son, he ran towards him, he kissed him, he hugged him, he embraced him, he clothed him with everything you possibly could, and he spoke as a son, not a slave. The older brother that wouldn't come in, he was all fussing about the party, the music, and, 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 and the father comes out of the party again and comes. God is always initiating. Repentance isn't what you do. Repentance is the work of the Spirit of God towards you. Repent, repent, repent. No, 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 no. That's just religion trying to find a way in to manipulate all of us. The truth is, it's the work of the Spirit. He initiates. You're my son, you're my daughter. I've got everything. Everything that is mine is yours. That's what brings us to our knees. That's what causes us to go, oh my goodness. That's what made Peter jump out of the boat into the water and swim to the shore and say, repent, I'm a sinful man. It's the goodness of God that lets us realise, oh my goodness, I, sh- I fall so short. And yet you are here to just cover me, smother me, lift me, surround me, forgive me, mould me, love me, heal me, restore me. I can't help but become less needy, less wanting because of the fullness of Jesus. The Father was towards him. The Father's response was lift, not pull down. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The writers of this, the translators struggled so big with this. They, they tried to change it, but they couldn't. It literally, Romans, it says, there is no condemnation to those in Christ. It literally is, it doesn't exist. It's not like oh, there's not much condemnation. There's only, it, no, no, it doesn't exist to you who are in Christ. How do you handle, I am flawed, but I'm in Christ. It's the only way you can move and breathe in the perfection of Christ. So don't cover up your mess, but you've got to know how to go to Him with all that you are. Do the best you can with what you've got. Don't blame it to everyone and confess to everyone. No, no, with wisdom. But He puts us in Christ so that we can move, breathe, and enjoy a spacious life to become more like Him. And you only get that by feeding on the gospel. You're not going to get that by church attendance and religion. And well, I went there every week for a year. uh, People come and be here for eight years and still walk away. But you've got to acknowledge, first of all, we're flawed. And you've at least got to acknowledge He's done everything to meet the need in our lives. Amen. So this last point here is the Father's resources. Everything the Father had is available to you. And I think we're going to do better with our needs and wants, if we will just realize the Father is towards us, if we'll just accept that He he is always responding with love, compassion, grace, wisdom, beauty, majesty, and we'll just have to accept, honestly, all of the resources of heaven are at our disposal. We are the less needy people on the planet, and we should be the less wanty people on the planet. Because I've got Jesus, I've got everything. Because I've got Jesus, I've got everything. He owes me nothing, <laughs> but He wants to give me everything. That makes me 
want to worship Him, adore Him, run to Him. I don't hide when I screw up, I run to Him. One of the ways you know the gospel is working in your life is because you run to your Father. You don't hide from your Father, you run to Him, you adore Him, you worship Him. It's not because you've screwed up, it's not because it's messy or it's complicated, it's just you know what to do with your needs and you know what to do with your wants. Here I am, Father, here I am, Papa, here I am, Abba Father. Daddy! Daddy! I know I'm messy. I know I'm broken. I know I'm complicated. I know that you have done more than I could ever imagine. Would you let Him heal you? Would you let Him restore you? Would you let Him lift you? It's the Gospel. It's the good news. It's Jesus.